Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. The East Bay Hills above Berkeley and Oakland are crisscrossed with beautiful hiking trails. Daryl Lavin, today's question asker, loves to explore them. My cousin lives right over in that area, right near Leona Lodge. And so I go over there and hike with her all the time. One day they tried a trail he'd never been on before. Halfway up, they came upon something unexpected. It looks like it was some sort of a very significant structure many, many years ago. It looks like there had to be some sort of a cabling system there to haul stuff up and down the hill. Daryl figured his cousin would know what these ruins were, but she had no idea. And they're all covered in graffiti, and the graffiti, the artwork is beautiful. And I can't help but wonder, what's the history of this? What, what was there? And what was it used for? Daryl's question won a Bay Curious voting round. So today, we're hiking up to these ruins near Leona Canyon Regional Park to learn what was there more than 100 years ago. And we'll find out a bit more about that beautiful artwork that Daryl described. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Stay with us. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfettah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. KQED reporter Catherine Monahan loves hiking and mysteries, so she was the perfect person to send on an expedition to find out the history of these ruins in the Oakland Hills and how they're being used today. I've been hiking around for half an hour looking for these ruins when I see a flash of bright pink peeking through the oak trees that line the trail. I duck under a branch and enter a clearing scattered with concrete walls. One of them is as big as a bus. Others are small, like traffic barriers. All of them are painted with really good murals. And they built it well, because the concrete is still in great shape. Andrew Alden, a geologist and local historian, meets me here. He's a sprightly guy with a ponytail and gemstone earrings. He points out a clue to why these ruins are here. It's a reddish rock about the size of a mailbox. I think it's just beautiful by itself. What is it? It started out as a volcanic ash on the seafloor. It got involved in a lot of tectonic action. And it changed the rock into this uh, very hard, light-colored, very strong material that gets this honey-colored 
orange and red coating on it. Geologists used to call it the Leona Rhyolite. Now we just call it the Leona Volcanics. Alden says that in the late 1800s, when Bay Area cities were growing, rock like this was very much in demand. Crushed stone is a basic requirement of civilization. You just need it for everything. You need it for railroad beds. You need it for building foundations. You need it to build harbors and wharves. People punctured the East Bay Hills with mines and quarries, looking for pyrite, sulfur, gold, though they didn't really find any, and just rock. They started quarries wherever the rock was good, just to make money from these hills. The ruins we're looking at were part of the workings of the Leona Heights Quarry, says Alden, which was where Merritt College is today. Workers dynamited rock from pits and loaded it onto a conveyor tram leading down the hill. It would send stone down to the electric train tracks. It was a half-mile-long conveyor belt running on a wooden trestle. It looked kind of like an old-fashioned roller coaster. Historical records suggest its machinery was housed right here in this concrete. Slots in the walls probably framed the wheels that turned the belt. This tram helped make the whole operation possible, but would ultimately destroy it. Oakland Inquirer, August 8, 1913. Leona fire causes big loss. Town is menaced. A fire broke out near the base of the tram and ignited the conveyor belt, which carried the flames up the hill. The newspaper said the wooden trestle was dry as tinder. Stores of dynamite and powder in sheds in the path of the fire spread the blaze with great rapidity. Until long after midnight, the fires burned in the ravines of Leona Heights, to which blazing brands had been carried by the high wind. That no fatalities occurred was considered remarkable. All the buildings and tools were incinerated a quarter-million-dollar loss, and a huge blow to the quarry. By the 1930s, it showed up in the papers mainly as a place where convicts hid out or kids got lost. Here's Andrew Alden again. Cheaper stone arose out of town. You know, quarries and cities can't really coexist. Oakland has spread out. Eventually, the quarry was filled in and is now a Merritt College parking lot. There used to be a great big pit there they called Devil's Punch Bowl and all the... Local kids would get in trouble there. They'd push old cars into it and throw dynamite sticks and that kind of thing. And what's left of the conveyor tram? As you see, the artists have adopted it. And it belongs to the future as well as the past. The concrete walls here have been painted over many times by many artists. One of them has been coming here for almost 30 years. My name is Pancho Pescador. I'm originally from Chile. I always painted since I was a kid. He says he found this place by accident back in 1995, not long after he moved to the United States. He was out hiking by himself. I remember coming here and seeing the wall unexpected because you are in the middle of the forest and then you find all these ruins. They had murals on them even then. I was like, what, who painted this? This is so cool. Ah, he did it with spray paint. 
graffiti art was still pretty new to Pescador at the time. He'd seen very little of it growing up in Chile. Because we have a dictatorship, so it was more repression. You know, if you get caught painting in the street, you may get disappeared or, or dead. That was during the regime of Augusto Pinochet, who came to power in 1973 following a U.S.-backed coup. Through the 70s and 80s, thousands of Chileans disappeared or were killed under his rule, and almost 40,000 were held as political prisoners. Pescador says street artists of the day restricted themselves to political messages. They didn't write their name, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, Pancho was here, or, you know, like, they're, like, frisking their life. He shows me one of his pieces, a larger-than-life self-portrait on a decaying chunk of concrete wall. It's a figure with the head of a bird carrying a paint roller. That's the weapon, you know, like, the weapon doesn't have to be uh, M16, you know, it could be a paint roller. So he's a warrior because he's carrying his weapon. The painting has been here for about two years, which Pescador says is a long life for a piece up here. You paint here, you know that you're going to get covered. It's part of the game. It's like no crying, like, oh, you paint over me. No, this is not the place. You know, you paint here, you know what's going to happen. But there are exceptions. On the biggest wall, which is about the size of a semi-truck, is a long, vibrant painting of a woman and an AC transit bus and the word ghost. Pescador explains it's a memorial. The tribute to Ghost, which uh, was a writer from Oakland that uh, unfortunately passed at a very young age, and some of her friends and homies did this piece to honor her. He says this piece will last because artists won't normally cover up a memorial. This is not going anywhere. I mean, I, I doubt anybody's going to paint over this. No, I'm not going to do it. He says this is a special place, different from your average graffiti site. Up here in the trees, you have time to do big, intricate pieces with lots of colors. It's not like painting downtown where you might get caught. And the hike screens out a lot of artists. you got to be in shape <laughs> because you're going to carry your backpack full of paint, probably a couple gallons of paint, roller, all the tools, water. It gets heavy. So, you know, like you need certain uh, special energy to do it. Pescador says he loves painting up in these abandoned ruins. I like decay, and I like seeing my pieces getting old. I find beauty on that, a place that could be dark, and, you know, when you paint it, it changes the energy. You do all the work for that, you know? Like, you see the place change, and it's like, oh, yeah. And then people are appreciating it, you know? Through over a century of massive change around it, this place has adapted from rock quarry to outdoor art gallery. Who knows what it may become next or what it will see in the next century. That was KQED's Catherine Monaghan. Thanks to Daryl Lavin for asking the question we answered today. This Saturday, March 2nd, is one of my favorite events of the year. It's the Night of Ideas at the San Francisco Public Library's main branch. If you haven't been, know this. It's a mashup of artists, leading thinkers, and cultural organizations, all thinking about the future and how city life can be more just, culturally vibrant, and sustainable. Bay Curious will be there this year, hanging out in the Bookmobile. Stop by to share your personal transit tales with us and the podcast Muni Diaries. We're teaming up to collect your stories, and I can't wait to hear what you might have for us. 
Find details and register for free at kqed.org slash live. I'll see you there. If you enjoy Bay Curious, tell another podcast-loving friend all about us, please. Word of mouth is one of the best ways for us to grow the show. Thank you. Bay Curious is made by Katrina Schwartz, Christopher Beal, and me, Olivia Allen Price. Additional support from Alex Gonzalez, Dan Brecky, Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Maha Sanad, Holly Kernan, and the whole KQED family. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.